This is Adam Francis, and you're listening to the Equipped Indoor Podcast on the E2E Radio Network. Stand by for a great show. All right, guys, we're back for another episode of the Equipped Indoor Podcast, episode 502. That's the second episode in the fifth season, so you guys aren't looking for you know, 501 actual episodes. I know that confuses you, Robbie, and you hate it. It does. It but does. It, hel- it helps me out. So it gives me an excuse for, for when we take those like two or three week breaks, because we actually say we're taking a quote unquote vacation from the podcast when we're just right. being lazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, so we are now admitting that it's just arbitrary when we start and end a season. I, I like to do one in the middle of the year and at the end of the year. Ah. That that is that is you know how we're trying to trying so to make going, it happen. You're going with like the Walking Dead season. Does it, is that what the Walking Dead does? Oh yeah, they're aggravating bastards. Yeah, they I, do I don't two. Know. They do too many seasons. Well, I don't know, man. That they, you know, is everybody done with that show, or is it still like exciting? I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm still digging it. I'm into it. Are you okay? I I haven't. I mean, I'm still on the the season where everybody starts getting sick of the jail, and I just like I started watching it and just couldn't get back into it. It takes me about two or three episodes before I can't stop watching them. Um, and there was no, I, right in there, it got slow for a while. Yeah, yeah. The this past season brought me back because I, yeah. I I was really on that verge of going. You know, this is just getting boring. Yeah, I'll tell you what show I'm not. I'm I'm kind of over. Is Game of Thrones. Yeah, I never got into that one. I mean, it's it's. I would say it's worth getting into the the first couple the first couple episodes of the first season are slow, but you know you, you've heard the rumors like everybody gets killed. Right, I mean, it's, it, you like a character, they get yeah. killed. You like another character, yeah. they get killed. And it, I, I've read I, the books. Yeah, and I got to the point. There's there's a point in a, a, one of the last books where I just threw it against the wall. Yeah, it, I, I think it's, I think it's just, uh, and maybe I'm like the two. I, I think it's a lazy writing trick, you know. And I don't want to sit here and hear about like, oh, you know, just like you know, when people act in a way that would get them killed, you know, he just lets them die. And I'm like, well, you know, he's still the writer, <laughs> George R.R. R. Martin. You know, it, 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 it makes it sound like it's some kind of like organic process where he just kind of tells us the, the story day to day. He doesn't know where it's going to go. And then if somebody makes a mistake and that second, oh, they die. And I met, no, he's still the writer you know, of the story. He gets to choose what happens and what doesn't happen. I, it, 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 it just, it's just a lazy process for me. Yeah, he, like, he wrote the shock, mistake. For shock yeah, so, value. Well, and so one – I had enjoyed the books. They were well written. Mm-hmm. And you can make the argument like a stream of conscious style of writing. You yeah. really don't know what's about to happen. Okay. But to your point, I got sick of every character I liked dying. Yeah. And then I got to the point, I'm like, well, there's nothing left but assholes. So I don't want to read about a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> there, goes so our, for, there, there goes our PG-13 rating for the uh, okay. oh, right. podcast. I one of somebody a bastard a minute ago. You just oh, missed yeah. it. Oh, well, whatever. I don't even <clears throat> So, if we're talking TV, and this is kind of an outdoor-related podcast, has anybody caught the first few episodes of that new survival show alone? I have not. I, of course, you know that I don't have cable, so I have to wait for it to be on Netflix or Hulu or whatever. That's right. But please tell me. About, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, uh, you know, uh, little short snippets um, about it. This is a show destined to not get done again. Okay. <laughs> There's no way it will get a second season. And the reason is, unless you understand 
survival, unless you are really into this like we are, mm-hmm. is probably boring the average person to death. Then I'm going to go check it out because I didn't watch it because I was sick of all the Bear Grylls bull- BS. So See, Adam, one, I didn't say bullshit. So one, one guy goes home, or I think a couple guys have gone home now based on now, the premise uh, of the show is they drop all these people off, and whoever stays the longest gets half a million dollars, right? Yep. All right. Continue. Couple, and I think it's 10 or 12 guys they start with. And they're I'll down to like putting ants in your bed and – No, you, I, you're no, not they're camping. Far, with, they're far yeah. away. Oh, okay. They're miles away from each other. Oh, okay. So, a couple hence, guys have Hence gone the term back. alone, Dan. Yeah. They, they've gone – Oh, back. that's like that foreshadowing stuff you've been telling me about. Yeah, no. Keep, keep going, Robbie. I'm sorry. A couple of guys have already gone out based on proximity to wild animals. Um, A little too close for comfort with the cougar, uh, wolves, and bears. Yeah, like one, I know one person, because I was reading about it, they were like in proximity of like three bear dens. Yeah. And bears are pretty territorial creatures anyway, so that's not a a good, good way to roll. Another oh, yeah, one yeah. goes home because he loses his fire steel. Oh, and wow. the environment is just like, I mean, it's wet. But, you know, maybe it, it, it would be, I'm not saying it's impossible by any means, but it would be extremely difficult to yeah. produce friction fire there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there is a, a realistic element to it in, in that perspective. But since it's realistic, it's kind of boring too. Um, yeah. You know, uh, if if the average person watches, they would they would be of the perspective of, well, they're not really doing anything. Well, they're doing a lot. They're trying not to freeze to death, not to thirst to death, and not starve to death. That's yeah. quite a bit, you know. That, and, and good basic survival principles is do nothing. Yeah, Lazy Man's Game. We've talked about this before. Well, and, you know, it being a TV show, of course they put them someplace where doing nothing is not an option. Yeah. You know, they don't drop them off beside a blueberry bush and a clear running stream and a pre-built shelter. Well, and doesn't this island have, like, the highest bear ratio per square foot of anywhere in, in the country? Yeah, yeah. in North America. Uh, so it, it's like they've got more bears, more mountain lions, and, and wolves than I've got mosquitoes in the south. And now, it, where where are they located? Uh, an island in Canada, I think. And now, is there any it, restrictions? Are they allowed to hunt and trap if they want to? Well, I think the island itself has restrictions. <laughs> like uh, they're not allowed to use firearms, but they can have bows and arrows. Oh, okay. But I mean, they, like, if they wanted to set up a trap that would be illegal to hunt with, they are allowed to do it for this. I think so. Yeah. Okay. But I'm just you curious. Know, then you get into that. You know, you you, you kill a two hundred, three hundred pound bear. What are you going to do with all that meat besides attract a bunch of other carnivores to your yeah. camp? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I learned some uh, firsthand lessons uh, in Canada the other week that. Uh, yeah, I went on that trip with some preconceived notions and realized I was very wrong. In regards to what? You uh, your, your bear hunting trip? 
Yeah, uh, in regards to first bears and secondly, why wolves are scarier than bears. Wolves are pretty scary. Uh, it's, uh, I, shot that, uh, I shot that bear maybe an hour before dark. And my rule of thumb is even if I'm sitting in the stand and I can see it laying there dead, I just I don't move for 30 minutes. Um, and that's, that's to make sure I don't jump, you know, if it was mostly dead or I jump the game and it starts running, I just, once I fire, I just sit perfectly still for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, and just as that 30 minutes was up, another bear walked in and I was, and I was thinking, I only had one tag, so I wasn't going to shoot more than one, but, uh, I was looking at my uncocked, unloaded crossbow thinking, you know, before I get down out of this tree and walk the uh, couple of miles back to my ride, I think I should probably load this. <laughs> uh, so I didn't want to disturb anybody else's uh, hunt. So I waited till dark, you know, climbed down out of the tree and, and cocked and loaded the crossbow. It was a sandy road, so I could see pretty well. I was feeling pretty confident. And I walked back to my quad and there, was, there were three other guys who were all parked in the same area. And they weren't back yet, so I didn't want to start it up and s disturb what was going on with them. So I was just sitting there, feeling pretty confident with my, my crossbow. I mean, I've, I've proved that it'll take a bear. And then what can, I mean, once you've heard it, it can only be a wolf. There's no question what that sound was. And then I heard it 10 or 15 more times. And then I'm looking at my crossbow with its one shot. And I'm thinking of the 100-plus-pound wolves, and there's 15 of them, and they hunt in a pack. And all of a sudden, I was not afraid of bears anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I am not going to lie. I might have had a joyful exhalation when uh, the other two guys walked up and I could start my quad and turn on some lights. Nice. So has anybody uh, in the show, Robbie, has anybody been attacked by an animal? So far that I've watched, no one's actually been physically attacked by an animal. One guy had one doe that was just, you know, pretty much coming at his camp repeatedly. And the yo bear, go away bear, all that kind of crap. The bear was like, I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what you're saying, but I don't really care. Hey, you can uh, count saying, buddy. I go where I want these mobs. Yeah. <laughs> Listen um, here, Pinky. I ain't afraid of you. <laughs> so uh, it's Vancouver nice. Island by the way. Okay. Very cool. Uh, so, and now these people are filming themselves there. There's no yeah. film crew. Um, now is there like, is there other cameras set up? You know, I haven't, I, I haven't been able to tell that. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know whether the guys are only filming themselves and they've just been instructed. Hey, every once in a while, set the camera 25 feet away from you and catch yourself walking through. You know, that kind of thing. But the yeah. majority of it is, uh, uh, from what I can tell, self-shot. Okay. Well, Y'all have done enough editing that you know you can shoot a little bit of B-roll and then do everything as selfies and cut it together so it flows. Yeah, you, you can. You can, definitely. But it, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder, they could probably set up a lot of game cameras and... You know, yeah. if they ever if they're positioning where they're going to set up their shelters and everything, they can say, "Hey, you got to stick in this area," and then once the person you know is set up, mm -hmm. then um, you know you can go in there and adjust the cameras and kind of capture them. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this yet, um, and I guess we can talk about it now since he's back. Uh, Madison Parker, you know, you guys on the E2E uh, website, you guys might notice that there's been 
kind of a lack of videos for our Madison Monday series. And the reason being is for the last 12 weeks, Madison was out in, uh, out in the Midwest. I can't really give the location, uh, shooting the pilot to a, uh, a new, a new series for, I believe it was the history channel. Um, pretty cool stuff. He just got back from that. Um, but you know, he, you know, all, all of the, uh, you know, how they do the shots and everything like that. It's pretty interesting. You know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't really realize, uh, that are there. I mean, you might just see you and, you know, two people, but then there's like 50 people outside that shot. Uh, so know, did, so. did you learn any filming, uh, tricks or anything from, from conversations with Madison on this? No, no, not really. He didn't really go into no. much detail. It's just, I just asked him a bunch of questions and he's like, yeah, you know, what Madison is. Yeah, no, yeah. Kind of like that. So it was more kind of like drawing some information you know, from, from him, but it, he said it was a cool experience. He said one thing though, the elevation that he was at, you know, he, he said he was shocked at how, you know, Madison's in phenomenal shape. I mean, that guy's a freight train. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's, but a, he's also three feet above sea level. Yeah. He's probably four feet below sea level <laughs> to be honest with you. And so he did say like get, getting up in that elevation, he was shocked at how, you know, it took a little time to get climatized. And by the time you get climatized or, you know, not climatized, that's not the right word, but use the altitude, it was about time for them to go. Um, it was shot relatively quickly. So that was pretty cool. Um, but hopefully I we'll like the more premise. That. That. What's that? I like the prim. I said, I like the premise of that show. The uh, one, uh, yeah. The alone? They, uh, no. Well, I've, I'm intrigued by that one too, but the one Madison is doing. Yeah. We can't talk about that. <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to give details. I was just going to say that, you know, I, I really like the way that they've, they've set everything up. Yeah. It's, it's wow. pretty neat. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, man. I mean, like the survival shows are pretty cool. Uh, you know, I, I can't even say that I'm really a fan cause I don't, I don't really watch any of them. Um, I just don't really watch that much TV as it is unless it's like on Hulu or Netflix or something like that. And I'm usually always a little, a little bit behind. Um, so, you know, I'm not even really the target audience for that, but I do think that some of these shows are getting a little bit stretched. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'd rather watch Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, I will, movie. I will say on the, uh, getting climatized to altitude. Yeah. Uh, remember when we did the canine demonstration in Colorado? Oh yeah, man. Um, you know, I've said this, many, many times. And Adam, I, I know you can at least, uh, identify with the statement and that is that there's being in shape and then there's being in dog shape because yeah. when, when you're catching working dogs uh, in, in bite work, it's a completely different type of exercise than you do any other time. And you can see some really fit people get just gassed out quick. Yeah with that and individuals that don't look so physically fit who can catch dogs for a while and i thought i was in good dog shape until we started working at high elevation in colorado and me and the dog were both looking at each other going we need a race oh man (laughs) he was tired and grumpy that day he was angry yeah yeah why can't i breathe well it was funny i mean i remember joe was having trouble doing the damn bow drill yeah, you know, because the difference of the altitude, and, and he was getting tuckered out, and he's like, I remember coming back. He's like, dude, I'm like so tired. I don't know what my problem is, and I'm having such a hard time with that. And finally, about halfway through, we realized, well, duh, it's the damn altitude. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's going to be more difficult to get that flame, you know, than it is down where he's at or where I'm at. And then second, it, you know, you're going to be, you know, smoked a little bit easier because of the altitude. I remember drinking up there was, you know, having a couple beers at the end of the day. You were like, whoa, what the heck? So they had some great, uh, some great microbreweries in that area we were in too. So, but when, uh, oh. when I was doing endurance racing, I was going to do this race called the uh, Canadian death race. And one of the hardest training problems for that was how do you train for such a high altitude without being there? Yeah. And it, yeah, there was this, there were several papers on written on how to train and then how to force a, cl- uh, acclimate yeah yeah you'd have to push iron supplements and i mean there was a whole science behind how to get yourself to acclimate as quickly as possible well somebody was telling me that people were sitting sleeping in these chambers which had the low lower pressure or whatever yeah like a barometric chamber well that was wrong you actually should work out in the lower in the lower altitude and sleep in a more oxygen rich altitude oh yeah Um, for your recovery time for the recovery, yeah. So that, so you know, the, but but a lot of um, I know there's a lot of uh, athletes that train out in Colorado, a lot of mixed martial arts studios when we were out there, and I was like, like every other every place we went, there's this huge mixed martial arts studio, and I'm not talking about little little you know dojo in the side of a strip mall, I'm yeah. talking about complexes, and I was asking one of the locals like, hey man, what's up with all the mixed martial arts places? Like, oh yeah, man, like all the UFC guys have studios and train here because of the altitude. Yeah, it's like, like legal oh, okay. blood doping. It, it, exactly. It's exactly what it is. So it's pretty interesting. But Hey, Adam. Yes, sir. I was thinking a moment ago about one of uh, something you said a few minutes ago about Madison. Yeah. I was wondering, would you like a, a, a new and original Robbieism? Sure. Ooh. So you, you mentioned how difficult it was in that conversation to get that information out of Madison. Yeah. Here's a Robbieism. That? The deeper the well, the sweeter the water, but the, harder <laughs> it, but the harder it is to pull out. There you go. There you know, you go. I heard one like that about a black cherry one time. No, it was a berry. No, it was a fruit. I don't remember how it goes now. Oh, yeah. I'm going to pop you in the, in the mouth there, Dick. <laughs> That's why we do these things over the internet. <laughs> you, you know what, Adam? What's Here, that? Here's the thing. I'll, I know that that aggravates you, and it, it aggravates me, but I'm not, near at, I, I'm not nearly as bothered by it as you because I know what the consequence of his last statement is going to be when his wife listens to that podcast. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to leave it in then. Yeah. There you go. Oh, shoot, man. <laughs> Hoisted on my own petard. <laughs> he's gonna call. He's gonna call me up too, Robbie. Hey, man. Um, he might do me a favor. I know yeah. what we were saying, but you know, he hey. added that last little bit out. Hey, I wasn't the one talking about uh, a uh, one of the young ladies from my booth last podcast. What are you talking about? Nah, uh, you got as much to lose as I do. Oh, I don't care. Oh, he, about except that. for except for Dan. Oh yeah, he added. It. To, oh, yeah, he he's the one with the edit power. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Damn, I didn't say anything inappropriate about anybody last podcast. Oh wait, no tricks on you. We're going to be in Panama when this comes out. She'll never hear it. Oh, I'm going to send her the file. <laughs> so she downloaded it to her iPod. 
After uh, all, Dad's been in the country for 12 days. It's time for another vacation. That's right. That's right. Hey, heaven for, heaven I, forbid. I am going to study machete techniques of the indigenous people of the uh, Panama rainforest. Well, listen, based and on then, this new metal that you got your hands on, um, you, you remember our conversation. That may yeah. be the perfect end-all, be-all machete ever. Now, it might be a $1,500 machete, but... The best is never cheap. That's true. So, um, Adam, I got my hands on something. Uh, Robbie found it almost two years ago, and I've been chasing these people down for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We're about to make Wolverine's claws. Yeah. That'd like, be awesome. Like, yeah, real. Uh, I like Wolverine. Yeah, I, so... Um, so what do we what do we say? It was less than a quarter foot. Oh, he was eighteen square inches. Cost me seven hundred dollars. Woo! Um, you know, if we were using the exact same size knives that you know we we're accustomed to, thickness wise and all, Adam, mm-hmm. I think we figured it up the other day. It was three hundred twenty something dollars a foot. Wow! Now, what's the what's the strength of this stuff? Uh, the, so. Why is it so awesome? So it's non-metallic, non-corrosive, and has a working hardness of 59 to 62 rockwool. Non-magnetic, not metallic. Oh, I'm sorry. Non-magnetic, um, non-corrosive. Um, 18% lighter than steel. Think, Adam, all the – take the best attributes of something like a S35VN mm-hmm. or, or some one of the – super modern um steels that have such incredible uh, uh strength and edge capability mm-hmm. and then combine it with the best qualities of titanium mm-hmm. and then lose the worst qualities of either so it can maintain an edge it is so wear resistant i am having to find something more aggressive than ceramic belts to grind it really yeah, yep. I'm having to. I'm having to have it lasered to profile it. You either got to wire cut it or laser it to profile it. So, I mean, um, what's the what's the price point of this thing going to be? Oh, they're going to be seven hundred dollar, eight hundred dollar knives. Yeah, um, and eventually, as this comes onto the market, yeah, the price, my material cost will come down, and I'll find easier ways to machine it. Yeah, you know, the first one, the first pill is eight billion dollars. The second pill is thirty two cents. Gotcha. Um, and I don't know. I certainly don't know of anybody else in the industry that's gotten their hands on it yet. So I mean, we're not going to mention, we're not going to mention the name because it's super top secret. Yeah. And yeah, I, it's supposed to come in. Uh, they shipped it out today. Um, and I have for almost two years, I've had a little reminder on my computer about every six weeks, I send them an email. Hey, can I have some yet? Hey, can I have some yet? So what's what's the reason for the delay? Just the production of it's so slow? Uh, well, it was when, – when Robbie heard about it, it was still in the experimental stage. Gotcha. So I started harassing him. I'm like, well, how experimental is it? You know, you got some test blades. And they finally did a, a run large enough for them to be able to sell, sell it. All right. Well, I was going to ask you, but I guess I'll talk to you about it off air. It's, it's what industry that it's going to be used in besides knife, because I'm sure it's not it's not ideal for – I mean, it might be ideal for knife steel, but that's probably not where they're going to make their money. Um, I don't know, because 
given the cost, the cost of it, I mean, there's, they're certainly not going to be making ball bearings out of it. Spaceships. Warp drives. Warp drives. Yeah. Yeah. Wolverine's claws. Yeah. Really anything you need unattainium for. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen that video where these guys get Wolverine's claws? Like, Hey, all right. So that'll be a hundred thousand dollars each. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And And like, like, and who, yeah. Like who's, who's, what mutant power do you want? Like, Oh, we want Wolverine. Like, all right, like, like, oh, that's actually two mutant powers. Is the healing factor in the claws? So, ooh, how embarrassing! They're like, just give us the claws, and then they're like <laughs> bleeding profusely and stabbing each other. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty funny. So, very funny. Anyway, all right. So, um, well, Dan, let's go back to your trip. All right. We want to hear a little bit more about that. Why don't you tell the folks where you went, what you did, and uh, and everything. I think that that'll be some outdoor stuff for our outdoor podcast that we're, you know, talking about whatever. So one of the advantages to being a knife maker is it occasionally opens doors a little faster than it would have before I was a knife maker. Um, when I moved up here, yeah, word got out that a sportsman had moved to the area and people were great about helping me find places to hunt. And this group of guys just said, uh, hey, you seem like a nice guy. You know your stuff. And we had somebody drop out of this hunt that we've been planning for years. Do you want the spot? And I said, absolutely. Paid my deposit and then said, oh, by the way, what are we hunting and where are we going? <laughs> Sounds just like Dan, right, Robbie? <laughs> oh, do, you remember, do you remember oh, the, the charmed life? Do you remember the movie with uh, Ice-T where he – plays a homeless guy that they get and put him on a treadmill to make sure he's okay and then they release him into the woods and all these rich hunters go after oh, him. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know why that went through my mind when Dan <laughs> said that. Uh, let's pause the podcast. We need to talk for a minute. Keep going. All right. Um, so I went up to uh, Quebec to Ron Henry's bear camp. And... Um, yeah, having never been bear hunting before, it was bow only. And uh, so me being me, I cheated and took my crossbow because if I'm going to poke a bear with a sharp stick, I want it moving really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was a new type of hunting. I have never gone to the woods with this much stuff before in my life. And as we're loading up, all I could think is, you know, do we really need two floor jacks and an entire tool chest? Uh, and the answer is yes, you do. Uh, because you go till the road stops and then you get on the dirt road and then you go to your cell phones coverage stops and then you follow the, the, the goat path until you get to the, the three cabins next to the Creek. And it is the old school bear camp where you haul stuff up and nothing gets hauled back. Really? Yeah, I mean it was it was an honest it was an honest to god three hour drive over. They weren't quite not all of the road was corduroy and washboard, but a lot of it was. Um, so the cost of hauling stuff in was so high that you know once you hauled it in, it it didn't go back out. It just got stacked up for later recycling. Um, but it was it was nice. They'd hauled up a generator to run the freezers. So once we once we had bear meat in the freezers, we had a power to run the the freezers. And the cabins were nice. Uh, they had uh, 
propane. You know, they had they had hard lined propane lamps into the rooms. Um, once we were running the freezers, then of course we used uh, a little power to run lights. There was a gas stove that ran off propane. Now, how many guys were up there with you on this? Uh, there were ten of us. Okay. And like on the way in, uh, the washboard ro- road was a little hard on some of us older guys, mm-hmm. so there were a lot of pee breaks. And fortunately, we just happened to look, and one of the truck tires was flat. And I don't mean a little low. I mean dead flat. So, and it's on a fully, we got a fully loaded trailer on it. So the next thing you know, the floor jacks are out. It's up. And there must have been a hole as big as my thumb. It took five five strands of the, the tire patch material to patch the hole well enough to get enough air in it to get to camp. Because there was no going back. There was no call in a tow truck, and we had to get all the gear in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything that went wrong, you either had to fix or you just left the piece of equipment there. So I got a new appreciation for, you know, we talk a lot about preparedness and, and what you need to take. Mm-hmm. This was a trip where you either took it or you found a way to live without it, uh, which also gave me a, an appreciation for space. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that, yeah, that floor jack took up a whole lot of room and it was heavy. But I'm sure glad I was using that and not uh, a scissor jack or a bottle jack prepped, pro- propped up against a rock while I'm laying in the dirt at dusk on this road. Yeah. Uh, and then we were hunting. The, the guy, we took all our own tree stands and the guides had, had spots staked out. So the first morning, um, and I had to borrow a quad. Uh, I've, I've always just walked into my stands. Uh, but some of these stands were 20 miles from camp. Uh, so we took, uh, we took four wheelers and every morning we did 45, 45, a 45 mile loop on the four wheelers, uh, maintaining the stands, checking to see which ones had activity uh, setting tree stands, that sort of thing. Um, uh, and now, were you guys using like trail cams to track the bear, bear movement or anything like that? Or some of the guys had trail cams. Uh, so, uh, some of us would put a little bit of uh, food under a pile of logs. You would bait, uh, which is which is legal up there. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was less baiting them to get them to come. And more of you put them under these big heavy logs, so to see a, if there's if there's anything in the area. Yeah, so uh, so a bear was the only thing in the area big enough to move the logs to get to the food. Gotcha. So if you came to your stand and the logs were moved around, you knew that a bear had come through. So you know it wasn't like putting a bag of corn out waiting for a deer. It was a it was a really handy zero technology way to see if the what the bear's movement patterns were. I don't know. What do you think, Robbie? I think that's legit. What? Baiting <laughs> animals? I'm kinda, just joking. Kind of depends. Yeah. If your goal is to kill an animal, how? what was the result? Did an animal die? Uh, there is about 80 pounds of bear meat in my freezer right now. Sounds effective. Yeah. And uh, they also, so if you're against baiting, so you're saying you shouldn't hunt I, I'm not, uh, deer I'm not, over a soybean I'm a, field? I'm not against baiting. I just, I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, no, I got to baiting is Baiting is illegal a, a lot around here, but, uh, you know, I'm just. 
Yeah, well, it's a hard time. It's absolutely illegal around here. Um, uh, which again is why I occasionally set up a deer stand in a cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, it was, everything was done completely legally by Canada law. And yeah, it, it felt a little odd, but like I said, it was a brilliant zero technology way to see if where the game was moving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't even consider that baiting. There's some, there's some subtle differences in that. Yeah. You're just lo- you're just looking to see if there if there's any in the area. You're you know that's just verification. You're not really setting a trap. Yeah. So uh, continue though. Continue. And, Sorry I disturbed you. I was just trying to give you a hard time and then want to, you know, uh, unhinge the conversation. You know, it's not like I haven't done that to you before. So I, this I understand. This is also true. This is also true. Now, and Robbie, is this a hot tub hammock that yep. you just sent me? All right, Whoa. Yeah, We'll get on that in a second. Continue your story there, Dan. Um, so one of the things I was not prepared for is, did you know there was mosquitoes in Canada? Yes. I mean, I had heard that there were mosquitoes in Canada, but I'm talking Louisiana Bayou, Black Cloud, carry off small children number of mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. Um, fortunately, from uh, the Bushcraft Global trip, I had learned about Prometheal. So all all the clothes I took up had been heavily treated, but when I got my tree stand, I had to put on a a head net and gloves. They were so bad. And and trying to listen for game was kind of silly because all you heard was from the cloud of mosquitoes around your face. Well, that doesn't sound pleasant. No, on the good-bad scale, it was closer to bad. Um, And it was, uh, again, one of the other things that, once I realized it, it was a duh moment. But this time of year, there's only four or five hours of dark. So, yeah, we would hunt till 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night before it got dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would come in, you know, you'd get back to camp about 11, cook dinner, clean up, and go right to bed because, you know, sun, or morning, sunrise would be four thirty, five 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And you were right back up, quick breakfast, and then that that 45-mile run run was, some of it was logging roads, but some of it was goat trails that uh, a man couldn't walk down it without getting hit by branches. Mm -hmm. So it might only be 45 miles, but it would take you three or four hours to make the loop, check the stands, uh, make any adjustments you needed to. Uh, Like the, the stand I was hunting the first night, it was on a, there was a little bit of a knot on the tree that we didn't notice when we hung the stand. Mm-hmm. So it was tilting forward. And uh, I was wearing a bug suit that was real silky. So I spent about five hours in the stand with my heels braced against the edge of the stand, pushing back, holding myself in the stand. <laughs> <laughs> Which was actually as you got, much You got to admit, Robbie, you, you, you'd probably pay money to, to watch that. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't get any big thrill out of the hunt itself, but watching Dan do it, that would be hilarious. Just be miserable for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah, I I was 20 feet up in the tree on this tiny little platform with this. I was fairly certain that the the seat was not actually going into my backside, but it felt that way. Trying to brace myself to hold myself in the stand. So the the next morning when we were out running stands, I was – up really quietly trying to slightly readjust the stand so it would 
sit more comfortably. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. Well, and I, I also cheat. I do things like I take a really lightweight camouflage uh, uh, cloth with me, fairly big, yeah. and I'll, I'll drape that over my legs and over the edge of the stand because mm-hmm. uh, that helps break up the pattern. And if I'm not holding myself in the stand with my legs when I start to get fidgety, I can move my feet a little bit and you can't see it because they're, you know, it's under the draping of the blanket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, not only was it physically exhausting holding myself in the stand, but when I started getting fidgety, it, it was challenging. Hey man, hunting ain't easy. Yeah. Well, that's why they call it hunting and not killing. There you go. Uh, so you said, uh, the price was pretty reasonable. Yeah. Um, um is it something that you're going to do again with this group of guys? Um, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to do it with this group of guys, but because you might move, uh, that and their schedules, you know, this is a, they've been going up to this camp for 20 years, but they do it every few years on a random schedule when they can all get together. Gotcha. So it just, it depends on what my schedule is. But while I was up there, I saw a moose. Cool. I had no idea how big those things are. Oh, they're pretty big, man. Uh, it was crossing a logging road, and I came around a bend about 30 yards from one, and I stood on the foot pegs of the quad I was riding and still couldn't see over the back of it. I mean, it, it, was, it was the size of a... It was at least as tall as a big horse. And completely unconcerned. Adam. Yeah. Don't tell him. <laughs> well, what was really amazing was there's this Canadian lady riding this moose. Well, that's what they do up there. <laughs> yeah. She probably had maple syrup in one hand and Canadian bacon in the other. She did. Oh, so and another thing, I went to give the guide a hard time about Canadian bacon. Mm-hmm. He said, what the hell are you talking about? He said, You're talking about ham? Yeah, we eat ham, but no, bacon is belly meat from a pig. Apparently, the whole Canadian bacon thing is like some giant joke on the United States. Probably. That their bacon is real bacon, just like our bacon. I mean, just like American Chinese food. They don't serve that stuff in China. <laughs> uh, but, where? oh yeah, so we'd come back from work in the stands, um, eat a quick lunch, and there was a creek out behind the cabin, and that's where I bathed. A couple of the guys took the, like, the solar showers. Yeah. But I just had some scent neutral soap. I'd jump in the creek and bathe. And I tried to keep my hunting clothes separate from my in-camp stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, because from what I understand, bears have as good a sense of smell as a lot of canids. Yeah, I think they have a little bit better smell. Isn't that right, Robbie? Yeah. Uh, and one of my... One of my more brilliant moves is I asked the guide what what insect repellent they use and use that figuring the bear whatever I did, the bear was gonna smell me, so I wanted to be as as little as unstrange as possible. So you're trying to smell like the uh, locals, not the spooking the bears. So yeah. they recognize the smell of human flesh. Yeah, I mean, they're going to sm- they're gonna smell you no matter what you do, so you just try to sa- smell as unstrange as possible. Yeah. And then yeah. just like any other hunting, you know, be still, be quiet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 
can't remember if we already talked about this or not, but uh, fortunately, it was a really easy track to get mine. Yeah. Uh, I, know, I know we had some technical difficulty. Did that make it on the, the first recording? I don't know. Let's just – you can recap it real quick. I'm sure right. the, the folks out there, they, they don't mind. So we got uh, – two of us got bare on the same night, and the guide went out to the, the other guy's stand because it was the furthest out. And we had broken up, and depending on where our stand was, in groups of six and four – so the group of six went out with the guide to, to get that bear. And one of the guys wrecked a quad and everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. And they didn't get back in until 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the guide came in. I had dozed off waiting on him. And when the guide came in, it woke me up. And he looked over in the skinning shack. He said, where's your bear? And I said, well, I, I thought about going to get it, you know, especially with you being late. But I said, uh, I figured you'd rather look for one bear rather than three lost Americans. Which he had to grudgingly admit that, yeah, one one dead bear is easier to find than three dumb Americans. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and of course, so, you, yourself, you just get more lost on yeah. purpose. Well, that's how you have an well, Now that I'm lost, I'm going to get extra lost just to be a pain in the butt. Good decisions rarely make good stories. That's right. Uh but uh, and fortunately, uh, so those six guys were just cra- or crashed. They went to bed, and the guide and uh, we had our own personal Sasquatch. And my buddy Phil and Bob went uh, went with the guide, and you know, as best case scenario, the the bear went maybe thirty yards. It was a a very easy track, easy in, easy out. Uh, and then I got to put the 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 new dogwood skinner and the long hunter to work. So how did those do? Let's, I, let's bring it back around to our sponsors, dogwood custom knives. Check, <laughs> <laughs> check out dogwood custom knives at Edgeworks uh, online, us made blades and Arizona custom knives. Sorry. I plugged that in there somewhere. Thank I you. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, I was really impressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I you're was, not just saying you're impressed because it's your knife. You're saying you're impressed. You're like, wow, I actually did something right. Yeah, because you know that's a little shocking. People without, love people love somebody who's humble, Dan. I'm just gonna put that out there. Hey, you know, without you and Robbie there to critique everything I did, I was amazed that I got anything right. There you go. Uh, Aren't you glad that we're your friends? I am. Uh, this I was a little concerned that the Skinner was just too small for working bear. And it was actually it was perfect because um, it turns out that skinning is skinning. Uh, the long hunter, you know, based on its roots of an old trade knife, was great for butchering. Um, matter of fact, I mean, the size of that was a benefit. It was. It was big enough for quartering, but small enough to be able to make some of the the boning cuts. Uh, one of the biggest compliments I got was uh, I had my three finger on me and the uh, the skinner was over on a table and we needed to cut something. I just pulled it out. And the guide said, hey, let me try that one. And after about 10 minutes, the guide ordered a three finger from me. Nice. So I figured that was, cool. that was as big a compliment as you could get. Yeah, absolutely. But we did, uh, we did all the dressing, skinning, and butchering with the long hunter, the... Uh, the three finger and the Skinner mm-hmm. and the guide had, uh, he had a, a knife comparable in size to the long hunter. And it was a, you know, a simple 400 series stainless. 
and I handed him the long hunter. I'm like, you know, I'd like your feedback. You, you do this a lot, you know, use the knife and tell me if there's something you don't like, if there's something you really like. And he kept being really hesitant. He said, I'm going to hit the bone. I said, I don't care. I need real world feedback. If, if hitting the bone damages that edge, I need to know because there's something wrong. So he finally just started laying into it and really using it. And then he kept stopping and picking something out of the meat. And he was getting really frustrated. And I, I said, you know, what's going on? He said, man, it, every time I hit the bone, it cuts a piece of the bone out. And he had, you know, using that 400 series stainless, he was shocked. And I had told him, you know, it's particle steel. It takes a fine edge. It's hard. And he just wouldn't believe me until he realized that the, the blade was cutting the bone rather than the bone damaging the blade. Hmm. Um, which, you know, I, I, my chest may have puffed up just a little bit. Because you, you manufacture that steel from scratch, right? I, I, I do the important part. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, somebody else did all that research. Come on, Rob, come on, Robbie. That was one for you, man. You should have jumped in I, there. And... I wasn't because, and the only reason is then I have to eat crow because I'm the one that always says it's all in the heat treat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it happens. It happens. So all in all, good, good, good experience. I mean, is that something that you would want to go up to that camp again? Maybe not with those guys because you said their schedules will conflict. And also you're, you're moving here pretty soon, so that, that'll be a difficulty for you. I would still, I would be, I would still like to make the trip. Uh, they also have a lot of northern pike up there. Okay. So the fishing is amazing. They actually have a fishing camp, a moose camp, a bear camp. Cool. So, I'm interested in maybe a moose hunt, and I'm interested in maybe going back. Uh, you know, I've got that cigar store Indian in one corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe I need a, a nice, maybe four four hundred and fifty pound black bear to do a full mount. You got to be careful though whenever you get stuff. Whenever you bring that stuff over, over the state lines, there's some. I know there's some headaches with. Uh, uh, with it's a customs. good point. That, I got a I got a buddy of mine that's in. He's a he's a customs officer, yeah. and if you go into their main office, there's this giant, you know, African lion, that's jumped out like at their their main door. He sent me pictures mm-hmm. of it. It's it's beautiful piece. I mean, it's like, it's on its hind legs with its its front. Paul's like outstretched, head turned, mouth open. It's just beautiful on this rock. And whoever went over and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this hunt, having it stuffed and everything in Africa, came back and he totally bumbled up the uh, paperwork yeah. and it got seized. Um, so that was one of the advantages coming back across the border. Uh, mm-hmm. We came back from Canada the same night they uh, they shot and ran down the other convict from the the prison break in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was a trying little bit to go, easier for you guys? Trying to go U.S. from Canada. I mean, they had cars stopped, everything pulled out, guys with flashlights, you know, just tearing cars apart. Mm-hmm. Going Canada to the U.S., like, hey, uh, we're kind of busy. Fill this form out. Talk to you later. Oh, wow. Um, and the drive was – I was not fully prepared for the drive either. Really? It, it turns out Canada is a big place. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I've heard uh, rumors about that. So we drove it. Fortunately, we had three guys in our car, and we drove. We just drove three-person shifts. One person slept in the in the back. One person kind of dozed and kept the driver from falling asleep behind the wheel, and one person drove. I mean, how many hours is the drive? Um, I think we did it in. I think we did it door to door in fourteen hours. Oh, that's not bad. Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've done worse, but it was also 14 hours in a loaded truck with a 16-foot trailer. Yeah. I mean, the, the landscape was pretty, though, right? I mean, it was an enjoyable, uh, it was an enjoyable uh, trip. Oh, it was absolutely beautiful. Very cool. Yeah, it, it, it parts, it reminded me of, of the Carolinas with some of the, the flora. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there, there was not an ugly place in Canada. Very nice. And I Robbie, what, what, what do you think? We need to go to Canada, don't we? I would be, I would definitely be more up for that trip than like his South American jungle expeditions. Really? Oh yeah, the 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 woods and all that sounds like beautiful to me. I, you don't I could, want to deal with the spiders and the prickly things and the you know the jaguar. You know what? It was been a hundred and six degrees here a few times this year already. Yeah. Uh, you know, sweating has become a hobby. Yeah, <laughs> no, I don't. Want so, to, sweating is your national pastime in North yeah, Carolina. I, I don't want to go do more of it as and call it a vacation. No. So, uh, so interesting thing though, once you get under the the double and triple canopy, it's not it's not terribly hot. I'm just saying. Is it less humid? No, no, it's still a good ninety percent, ninety five percent humidity. Right. And then can, it rains every day. I can swim at home. <laughs> well, you know, after uh, in the same trip I'm doing Panama, I'm going way south. Uh, we're going to go down to uh, uh, Argentina, where I'm going to study uh, traditional techniques and usage of the um, gaucho knife. That'll be a cool okay. Trip. Now I want to be in on that one. And I don't know, but apparently they have some really good beef and wine in Argentina. I've, yeah, I've heard, I've heard yeah. that. Beth See, mentioned something about that, but I don't know. I've uh, I've <laughs> often I've often found myself uh, admiring the gaucho knives, and uh, I'm a big fan. Uh, just like with your long hunter, Dan, I think it fills a role that I'm a big fan of, and, and a style that that I find very utilitarian. And there's and there's three styles of gaucho knife, and it's amazing how much I'm I'm not even going to try the pronunciation because I always slaughter it, uh, but how much it is similar to the trade knives of uh, of the American frontier. Um, hey which, man, tr- truth is truth, right? Yeah. And well, I'm, and as I've studied different cultural knife patterns, I've been fascinated with just that that. These very isolated cultures came to the same conclusion on, on shape, efficiency, size. In um, some of the examples I, I looked at, it could have been a frontiersman's knife. It was just the sheath was radically different. Now they have, you know, they have some that are, that are more bayonet-like, and that's an entirely different style. But the the ones that I'm very interested in are. Uh, of very close to to what you would expect to see up here. Interesting, very interesting. Well, Dan, um, I'm glad that you had a good trip, man. It sounds like fun. Next time, bring a camera. Let's get some videos, man. What's oh, going I on did. With that? Did you? No, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> because knowing uh, you, the first thing that you would have done, and let me do the Adam. Hey, I did you a favor. I've got about 50 gigs of film that is not organized, <laughs> that is shaky as hell, and I'm sure if you watch all 300 hours of it, you might be able to squeeze a 15-minute video out of it that somebody may be interested in. You're welcome. Hey, 
you know what? I've upgraded my <laughs> tripod uh, over at uh, Able to Survive. Uh, Skyler uh, turned me onto a new tripod. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah, it's the Q666 tripod. Mm-hmm. It's freaking amazing. Uh, he, he actually does some stuff with uh, shooting the night sky. Mm-hmm. And it's stable enough for, uh, for him to do astronomy photography. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, but it collapses down to maybe 20 inches long. I remember that remember that tripod we saw at, at uh, SHOT Show that one year, Robbie? It was like 500 bucks, but it was super light. It oh, I thought quick... you were talking about the one the MTV crew was using. That one, too. This is one that was for sale. Oh, yeah. And we were going to go back and actually buy one. We were thinking about it, but I was like, at that point in time, I was broke as a joke. So, But uh, <laughs> he was selling some floor models uh, for the show, so he had to take them back. But basically, Dan, it was a titanium tripod, really stable. You know, everything was high-speed, low-drag, but you push a button, and the tripod ejects and has a monopod. Whoa. Um, so you can, like, take it out real quick for some quick shots. Um, it was just really – it was really cool design. And, you know, Robbie had been um, carrying that heavy, heavy stainless steel tripod that I had. Yeah, we had one that was made out of uh, wrought iron that was hammered <laughs> yeah. out over a, an anvil. Oh, man. That's why you keep a Sherpa. I mean, Robbie. Yeah, pretty sure it started life as railroad track. <laughs> and then it was condensed by yeah. uh, the star of a, uh, a dwarf star. So right. Molnir, Thor, Thor came down with Molnir and, and, and pounded into a more dense material. That, oh, yeah, the only thing I is I didn't that. have to worry about anybody stealing it. Because yeah. once you put it down, only the worthy could pick it up. <laughs> yeah. oh, that reminds me. One of the have guys. you guys seen that meme of Batman? holding Mjolnir, and he's like, what is this thing? And like, he's picking it up and looking at it, and Thor's in the background with an upset face. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, I had almost forgotten one of the guides had a, uh, a prospector's and mineral license mm-hmm. and gave me what he is pretty sure is a section of uh, nickel-iron meteorite. Really? That is about the size of a bread loaf and must weigh 50 pounds. Very cool. Uh, so I am... I am doing research on to see if it is it is feasible to turn that into to steel that I can work with. Dude, that would be pretty cool, freaking star metal. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, I got I got a little giggly. <laughs> I can imagine. If, if not, <laughs> if not, Adam, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna fasten it into a shield that can be carried while you're using your Wolverine claws knives that he's fabricating there you go yeah dude I, you know I'm, I'm still waiting for my wolverine claws there dan for you to manufacture them for me hey you know what I, they're just about finished you just got to toughen up yeah 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 and for those of you guys who may or may not know for halloween one year i uh i went as wolverine and i bought these claws off of ebay that like look like the the movie claws x-men my, my buddy bobby does this Pretty oh, huge. Those I thought yeah. you wanted the actual implants. Oh yeah, that'll be much I, easier. Man, I could do that for. I would do that too. My buddy Bobby does this pretty huge Halloween party. I mean, it's like costumes are required. You know, he does he does like prizes and everything for best costume. There's there's like a competition. Um, it's really really good time. But uh, so I got these ones off of eBay. They were kind of crap, and I wanted Dan to uh make me some some good ones. So. Hey, look, I got you your knife. I got you the knife you ordered a year and a half ago. Uh, two years, Dan. Two years ago. No. 
Oh, yeah. I ordered that when I first met you. <laughs> that knife I delivered to you last year. No, no. When I first met you, I was I saw that corn cob, and I was like, oh, I want a corn cob knife. Yeah, I thought you, you were had, like I made you no, I made you an Echo Five first. No, I I bought that there. We traded that there. You didn't make that for me. This is this is funny, Robbie. How you know selective memory, right? Well, yeah, I, but yours is wrong too. Why I remember I, why getting. I wrong? I remember because getting the first time you ever met him, he was in Andy Roy's booth, and he didn't have any corn cob knives. That was three years ago. It's still the first time you met him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's true. And then the next year, you gave me your soul for that uh, that Echo Five. I don't remember that. One. Remember that. So I've got it, well that or an enormous advertising budget. It was one of the two. Yeah, it was the second. Uh-huh. Yeah, I had, a little, I had a little too many drinks right then and there. And I do remember that look that you looked at Beth and said, I better seize this opportunity when I have the chance. In my defense, I also looked at Pam and said, are you going to be too upset about this? Yeah, she don't care. No, she, she is a very cool woman. Yeah, and I, I can tell you, I have learned that the deals that transpire in the pit at Black yeah. Show – are always really awesome for one of the parties. <laughs> yeah. And it's usually the one handing out the moonshine. Yeah. That's right. It, it, never both. Here's $1,000 worth of advertising. <laughs> How much does this retail for? Two fifty sold. <laughs> Witnesses. You're like, hey, let me, let me help you take off your belt so you can strap it on there. <laughs> wow, that look, that really makes your eyes pop. Yeah. So, Robbie, you got some interesting gear to talk about today. We should talk about some gear on the on the gear podcast. Oh, I do. Yeah. You know, I, I have gotten comments from guys like, "Oh man, I love the way the podcast is. You guys don't always have to talk about gear. It's always fun." So, go ahead, Robbie. What you got? I don't know. I don't have a clue what you're talking about. That hammock. That's a hot tub, man. Oh, I just yeah. sent you that as a joke. Well, I'm looking for the link. I haven't seen it. It's on the. It's on the thing. Tell tell yeah, me about I can't it, man. Find it anymore? I didn't read it. It's just a ham- it's a it's a hammock it's a, that's a hot tub. It's a hammock that's a hot tub. Uh, I was more interested in the comments below it. What did the comments say? <laughs> like, oh, well, that's a way to destroy your porch. You know, the the weight of the uh, uh, the, the weight of the water. Yeah, but uh, it just an uh, article that caught my eye. There was there will never be anything more relaxing than a hot tub hammock. And then when I saw it involved Kickstarter too, I said, "Well, that's perfect for Adam." <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, the the video looks like it might be nice. Y'all, give me a second. I got to watch this video. No, Dan, we're not going to stop the podcast. You can watch the video. <laughs> Let's see. You can that, reorder a to... single or double hydro hammock for a donation of two hundred and sixty dollars and three hundred and ninety dollars. So almost four hundred bucks for the double and. You know, almost 300 for the same. So if you're out camping, how do you find the water supply to fill up said hammock? They the don't picture have guys, where you live? The picture guys, um, there's a guy out. It looks like we're someplace cold because there's a good layer of snow on the ground and, and mountainous terrain. And he's just sitting in the hammock, naked, enjoying the, the warm weather. Well, now, let, also let me say that, that the numbers I just said, that's mm-hmm. just for the hammock. It's an additional nine hundred and twenty dollars if you want the thing that makes it hot water and bubbles. Uh, now, for, one of my first questions is why would you ever make a single one of those? That's a good point, Dan. Sometimes you know, 
Well, they say a hot tub's an old man's best friend. Yeah. So well, that's so because so young girls want to put on bikinis and get in the hot tub. I don't think that's the reason why, Dan. You sure? I think and it has more to do with my bad back, bad <laughs> At that point, I don't care who's in the hot tub with me. <laughs> it's, uh... Are, do we really want to taste the, test the limits of that statement? Let's just leave it alone, Dan. Sometimes I'm not edi- I'm not editing this podcast anymore. Sometimes I get hey, up I've in the morning and I'm ill and sore. It's because I was out all night with Arthur and he took me from joint to joint. Uh, That's right. I like that, Robbie. Classy. Yeah, yeah. Classic Robbie. Oh, hey, Robbie, did you see the uh, the link for the van conversion that mm-hmm. made you think of uh, what you want to do for your truck? Yep. I did. And, and there is a chance in the near future a guy that still owns a cabinet shop is going to move near you. Well, you know what? The the Since I've mentioned that on out loud uh, on the podcast, all the comments I've received, emails, anything I've gotten has been from people pushing the idea of a van. And it got me to thinking, why are there so many people trying to push me into a four-wheel drive you know, van conversion, and none of you SOBs have one? Well, it, because you know, it's like, of all the people that would look good in a creepy white van with no windows, it would be you. I should, and, and with a free candy get, sign. Yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, I should get candy because you already know I'm gonna have a puppy. So. All right. So yeah. what what kind of van? All right. Um, so we're looking at van van dog trailers. dot com, and it's T R Travelers. Is that right? Travelers. Yeah. Uh, van dog Travelers. dot com, and um, I mean, there's wood paneling. There's a couch bed. There's a bathroom. Yeah. Um. This is this is pretty cool. I would I would love to have something like that. It's nicer than my first three houses. Oh, you know what? The only problem is, man. I think it, it seems like that would be a an obsession. I mean, this thing's got it is paneled. There's paneling all through it. Oh, you'd it's make beautiful. me take, you'd make me take my shoes off before I was allowed to get in. Yeah, I mean it's cool. I know that these micro mini houses are kind of like the new hotness. They're really really trendy right now. Um. But yeah, they're, it's pretty interesting, man. I mean, how much does something like that cost, Dan? I mean, it's got to be a hundred thousand bucks worth of work. I have in no there. idea. Well, and you know, it comes down to how much of the work do you want to do yourself? None. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got enough jobs. Dang it. <laughs> well, now, yeah, I'm looking for. There was another one that I saw that was pretty cool, where they basically made they took a truck and had a cap on it. Yeah. And made it a queen size bed. And then underneath the bed had the, the really heavy, almost like drawer sliders. Mm-hmm. So you could pull that out, and that was storage or a sink and a cook surface and storage. So you slept in the queen-size bed, and then you just dropped the tailgate and pulled this giant slider out, and that was your... Yeah, your... but the only, the only problem I have with something like this is, like, first of all, all right, there's no storage for clothes. There's only any storage for food. Um, and or you no know, cookware. That's so what it's the trailer like, is for. It, there's, a, there's there's not a separate trailer in this photograph. I I was kidding. I mean, so it's like it's a trendy idea. I mean, it, there's there's solar panels on the roof. This has some kind of extended cab roof. Um, the, the the guy that lives in this van, he doesn't have to worry about a shower and he doesn't have to worry about food because when he finishes oh, there, there's his a shift, shower there's a shower and a toilet when he finishes his shift at starbucks 
he gets a bite to eat, washes up in the sink, and then he puts on his faux lumberjack shirt with his <laughs> his tailored with his tight, lumberjack flag. Yeah, with his tight legged jeans. So this and, is for hipsters yeah. only. Yeah. Well, and I can see this is a lot like uh, really custom cars. It's as much about doing it as it is about using it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, no, it it would be for me, it would be a great way. If I had like an old van like that, that would be a way to take a cabin, have a cabin down at, you know, a camp spot or by the river or whatever. Yeah. And get around my County's building codes. Yeah. Up. It's on wheels. It's, it's not a permanent structure. You can't tell me I have to have a permit. Hmm. Yeah, possibly something like that. It would make it, you know, a good idea. Yeah, it, it's it's fun to think about. It could be cool to, like Robbie said, rather than having a cabin, you just have a favorite campsite. I mean, it's something that, like, I, I think, you know, if me and the missus wanted to travel, do some like road travel, it'd be really cool. You know, it'd be cool to kind of travel around, you just park wherever you want to park. Yeah, but you, you and know? a dozen, you and your dozen children would not fit well. Well, I, I'd say me and me and the missus. This would not be a, a children. This is when they're all off in college, right? Now, you know. Now I am partial to this because, as we've established, Beth does not go camping without a flush toilet. Okay, I, I didn't know we established that, but continue. Yeah, so this would be one of the few ways I could get Beth to go camping with me. I mean, it's nice. Now, is it just me? Does it look like the shower is in the same little closet that the bathroom is? So, like, when you take a shower, the, the toilet is also like a shower bench. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a common thing in campers like that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Even so those neat. tiny homes you refer to are, are set up that way. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I think it yes. came from, like, the, the boat industry. Because you used to see boats where... Like the there was the toilet, and then right above the toilet there was a shelf, and when you pulled it out it was a sink, mm-hmm. and when you pushed it in it closed, and then that was also the the shower. Hmm. Yeah, we had a shower on our boat too. It was, saw two one gallon milk jugs. Uh, step up on the bow and pour this over you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my dad ho- had a whole speech about shower. What the hell you need a shower for? We're in the middle of a freaking bathtub. Jump your backside in the boat uh, off the boat and get clean. You stink. Hey, y'all, sense. before we run out of time, I actually got a reply on my um, questions last week uh, about, you know, the dogs and what I should start raising and all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the most worthless, uh, no help I've ever gotten. <laughs> and uh, it comes from a good friend of mine, so that, that makes sense. Uh, one Mr. James Montana. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sent me a message saying I should uh, I should open a kennel and and start training in the USA Taiwanese Mountain Dogs. Yeah. Okay. I, it's a okay. Continue. Well, he, he's his statement was that the you know the Taiwanese military has now adopted this dog. So I looked it up and like they top out at forty pounds. That's you know that's an obese Taiwanese Mountain Dog, forty pounds. Uh, and, and you have a choice. Do you want the faux Taiwanese mountain dog, which was crossed a number of years ago by guess who? The Dutch. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Dutch dogs, which okay. if I'm going to do that, why don't I just raise Dutch dogs? 
or the pure blood Taiwanese mountain dog, which apparently there was like at one time two and a half of them, and so they're not inbred at all. <laughs> you know, uh, they don't suffer from just a host of genetic disorder from the fact that their their species was just about eliminated and have been repopulated from you know just a handful of dogs. So thanks, James. I'll get right on that. See, this is why nobody wants to help you. <laughs> you know, um, there was a uh, back when I was looking uh, a couple of years ago before before I got Ace after I had lost uh, Millie. I was looking for. I wanted a. I was looking into feral dogs. It was back when I had that uh, Catahoula uh, phase. Right. And I'm trying to remember now. I think it was like a Taiwanese bulldog or a Taiwanese boxer. And there was a guy selling them, and it was fine. I finally realized that it was just too feral of a dog for me to handle. That I was going to have to be distinctly concerned about it eating poodles and cats. And it was just... It was one genetic marker from being a wolf. <laughs> well, in 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 James's defense, the one of the bloodlines of these Taiwanese mountain dogs, the one that has the Dutch dogs kind of bred in, mm-hmm. uh, does look like an awesome option. However, you know, it, it would probably cost me seventy five hundred thousand dollars to get enough breeding stock here to do anything with it, and what I would end up with is a dog that looks like. If I just took some Dutch, you know, dogs, some Dutch Shepherd, some Belgian Malinois, and crossed them with the American Pitbull Terrier, in a couple generations, I'd probably have something that looked remarkably similar to that Taiwanese Mountain Dog. And I could do that for you know ten grand versus a hundred. Well, it would only cost you a hundred grand if you were responsible. Yeah, yeah, and just like Adam alluded to those import laws earlier. Yeah. I'm small and not unattractive. I don't look for <laughs> that, that's not where that's not where I'm just trying to go. Doesn't suit you. Yeah. I don't look good in stripes. Well, hey, I do you know, we do have a little bit more time. I want to talk about that uh that lawsuit, Robbie. You got some new information oh, yeah. about that? Well, I sent you guys a link to uh, a gentleman's posting uh where where basically he uh, he was interested in it, so he researched it and uh, went as far as contacting the California Federal District Court mm-hmm. to try to get uh, a copy of the lawsuit. Um, and he was successful. Well, he wasn't successful that way. Oh, no, he wasn't. It hadn't been entered in the computer yet, but that did confirm that it was real. Okay. So then he went as far as contacting the law firm that Cold Steel was using. Long story short, I think he got a uh, a copy of the lawsuit. Okay. And was not impressed by it. Okay. Um, according to his writings, but uh, it's just a, a little tidbit article where he where he expresses why this lawsuit is bad for the consumer, mm-hmm. is bad for the knife business. Uh, you know, in general, and ultimately, it's bad for Cold Steel. And so, what what is he? What is his premise on why it's bad for the industry in Cold Steel? Um, the the industry basically, if we become the the knife industry is not 
the size of like let's say the computer industry. It's not as big as people think it is. Right. And yes. that there's no way it can support uh the the frivolous lawsuit monies. Yeah. At the same time support itself in trying to make any kind of a decent product. And and let's let's I I, I wonder if we should say the American knife industry. Yeah. Because if you go overseas and you get stuff made anywhere, it may may not matter as much. Um, so this is definitely the American knife industry. Yes, some of the biggest names out there are twenty guys in a prefab building. Right, yeah. and, exactly. And nobody and realizes that. That's the point he makes that that yeah. a, a forty person knife business is a big deal, whereas yeah. a forty person computer business is still being run out of your garage. Yep. You know. Um, and he makes that point. He also makes a point as far as it being bad for cold steel about where they're putting their efforts. Yeah. And and he he talks about, uh, some transitions that cold steel has apparently been trying to make where they're getting into a higher quality steel and really bring themselves back to being a respectable, uh, uh, maker of high quality tools and this friv- this stupid lawsuit is is counterproductive. You know, I would agree. Figure out what you want to do. Do you want to be a big name, respected? Uh, you know, as making high quality tools that aren't just you know uh, uh, a passing interest. You know, and he makes the point about you know you don't see a whole lot of resale value with cold steels knives, and 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 there's not much collector's value with cold steel knives. But with some of these higher-end steels that they've started using this year, I mean, yeah, they're using 3V. They're they're using a lot of the high-end stuff yeah. nowadays. They they have this knife out called the Formax that has a $600 retail value on it. Well, yeah. you know that that's getting into they could be something special, but not if they're going to play this game. Hmm. Yeah. Now, now they're a different kind of special. Yeah. Um, they're they're making knives right now with twenty CV. That's a very high end, yeah. you know, high performance grade steel. And I think something else people don't account for is defending a lawsuit like this could bankrupt most of the American knife companies. I mean, no matter how stupid the lawsuit is, you still have to hire lawyers and fight it. And there's just not that much profit margin in in the knife industry to spend a hundred thousand on lawyers. In general, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Huh. And so did he? Did he uh, ask Cold Steel for a response, or did he try to contact Cold Steel directly? Yeah, he he didn't get much. He <laughs> he tried to get a uh, a copy originally, get a copy of the lawsuit from Cold Steel, and I don't think he got any headway there. Um, and just for uh, to to clarify, this is part one of a two part article by the guy, and uh, I haven't you know part two hasn't come out yet, so we'll see. I think in part two he plans on covering more um, closely uh, the validity of the lawsuit from a legal perspective. Which what, and what is the gentleman's yeah. name? I don't remember the guy's name. We should give him, you know. Hey, I know, I know we should, but I posted, I gave you the link. Can you not read? I can't. Um, it's on the Everyday Carry Commentary, uh, EverydayCarryCommentary.com website. 
Yeah, I was trying to find his name. It's a long article, so apparently it's down at the bottom. I'm still going down. Yeah, my scroll button don't work well. Um, uh, here we go. Posted by Tony. All right, I'm going to spell it. S-C-U-L-I-M-B-R-E-N-E. I've got no idea. Yeah. We should reach out to him. That might be an interesting interview. Might not be, but it might be. I mean, it, it is, it, you know, we're not trying to, to, to raise a drama flag, but it is an interesting, it will have some kind of effect on the community. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, I, and, you know, hey, I, I'm no expert on any of this kind of crap, but I don't see how it can have a positive. No. No. Uh, you, know, not, you know, unless unless some of these frivolous lawsuits are, you know, there's a kibosh put on some of these frivolous lawsuits, but I doubt that's going to happen. Oh, I mean, that's no. That's something that needs to happen, you know, generally. Um, that you know, that's that's way out. That's way out there. If 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 corporations as big as McDonald's are not immune to it, yeah, there's no way the small knife maker is. Yeah. Have you all read any of the comments? I did, and and some of those were disturbing and. Well, what are the, uh, read away? Uh, well, as you read down, you'll see the one that uh, someone from Cold Steel <laughs> made their comment. What did they say? Well, you know, you, there's a general theme of you know good point, you know, questioning their you know Cold Steel's judgment, and then the next, then all of a sudden there's this this pile on overweight one sided unbalanced article, um, yeah, and just starts to. To attack the article and talk about Lynn Thompson and what an amazing person he is, and yeah, it, obviously someone from the marketing department at Cold Steel responded. Interesting, but it was just comical. The I mean, come on, guys. So you know, somebody actually wrote down this: uh, Cold Steel is the greatest person in the world. Eight paragraph response to this post. <laughs> you never know. Uh, that's true. There are people with uh, more time than I have. Yeah, well, you know, some people like what they like. I don't know. It's a matter to me. Screw it. Well, anything else uh, interesting, fellas, before we uh, sign off? Um, Wildland lumber, uh, lumbar pack, jungle crafty lumbar pack. Yeah. I love that guy's videos. And I, that's probably worth saving for the next podcast because he's uh, – I've been experimenting with some of the same things that he's doing. And uh-huh. he's, he's got some pretty interesting things to say about a lumbar pack versus a traditional backpack. Okay. Um, and then there's, uh, there's one about uh, – I mean I think I actually had it marked as a real badass uh, – this guy during uh, World War II, he fought for the uh, for Finland against the Russians, and then when the Nazis, uh, well, then he fought for the Nazis against the Russians, uh, and then he after fought for the Nazis against the Russians, yeah. Okay. Because um, you know, there's that whole switching sides thing. Yeah. Um. And then he joined the U.S. Special Forces on a special, um, almost like a French Foreign Legion. Uh, if you'll come work for us in this really dangerous field, we're not going to ask a lot of questions. 
okay. and wound up disappearing during the Vietnam War. Okay. So World War II to Vietnam, special forces the whole way. He had the, fin- the Finlandian Finnish, I guess Finnish equivalent of the Congressional Medal of Honor awarded. So fought for three countries in what one, two, three, three or four separate wars, all in one lifetime. Interesting. Um, just a fa- that sounds like a Navy SEAL we know, Adam, who might have said something along the lines of he got out of the military because there was nobody good left to kill. <laughs> That's right. Ain't nobody need no killing. <laughs> yeah, it's just a fascinating article on you know, he. You know, he was going to do some killing, and he was just looking for uh, whoever was hiring at the time. Yeah, it's it's always funny when you talk to Madison. He talks about Vietnam. He's like, man, whatever. I had a blast in Vietnam. All the cool stuff we were doing. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty crazy. Well, in basic training, they did the whole, you know, early in the training, everybody sits down, and they have this bonding moment where they talk about why they joined the Army. And, you know, people were talking about being tested and becoming men and, trial and college money and came around to me i wasn't even really thinking i just looked at the drill drill sergeant and said uh, i want to kill people and break shit <laughs> heck yeah who don't yeah i've been sergeant. dreaming out of the jungle ever since i sent our predator movie <laughs> killed a, ate a snake once hey you so ever we were drunk to... as crap too ran over with our with our uh with our four-wheeler i said hey man run over that snake what is that? That cartoon? Thing? <laughs> yeah. That's action figure therapy. Snake, okay. Yeah. Snake tried to bit me. I said, hell no, you dumbass snake. And I ate him. With, I hit him in the head with my machete and ate him with some mayonnaise. Hey, you ever shot a machine gun on peyote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't repeat that other thing. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, um, yeah. If you guys ever have a chance to check out action figure therapy, I love my job. Yeah. Um, and Stanley the honey badger. Yeah. Well, Stanley the honey badger for adults only. That is very yeah. much a... That's true. Good point. Uh, R-rated thing. I forget that um, we have a younger audience. We do. We do. I mean, do you let your do you let your boys watch Stanley the Honey Badger? Hell no. Well, there you go. That's I mean, be the test, Dan. Yeah. Long-term scarring is my job, not some animators. <laughs> yeah. So for adults only. Yeah. Well, one more uh, time, in case anybody missed it, uh, the Equipped to Endure spo- uh, podcast is sponsored by Dogwood <laughs> Custom Knives and Live Fire LLC. Uh, I think we gave out our sponsors links for Dogwood a few minutes ago. What about the uh, links for Live Fire there, Adam? Where hey, do you- guys, just go check out livefiregear.com. There's tons of uh, on there if you want to find a store in your local area that sells our product or a vendor that sells our product. But you also buy it directly on Live Fire. Um, gear.com and I think we still have some of the red white and blue 4th of July paracord uh, left it was like a small batch we did just for the the holiday season if you guys are interested in that so check that out and August 22nd at the uh, My Place Smoked Meats Sportsman Show Mm -hmm. uh, there will be live fire um, both the 550 cord the emergency survival kits and a few dogwood custom knives Come down and see Glenn, who's just a heck of a guy. Is there also going to be smoked meats? There is. Because that's like a trifecta there. Uh, he's a local game, uh, local butcher and uh, smoker of meats that processes game up here. And not only is he a cool guy, but he does things like bacon, venison, smoked sausages. 
Live fire, uh, fire, dogwood sharp objects, and smoked meat. It don't get no better than that. And last year, they must have rifled off 15 or 20 firearms. So you want to come up for a, a, a trip, Robbie? Pocket we'll go up there. Pocket. Go up there in August. Oh, man. Hey, hey, Robbie, we can take uh, Adam to Ampanata Mama and then uh, oh, yeah. over to the Mercer Museum. I can't go to – we better go to Mercer Museum first or I'll never get up those stairs after the trip to Ampanata Mama. Oh, uh, man. Uh, what, what is what is that empanada mata? What what is that? Oh man! It's an empanada restaurant, Adam, and I promise you, you will not climb the stairs at the at the re, at the uh, museum after a trip there. Uh, I'm intrigued. Do, do tell. It's about a mile and a half from the shop, and the way I bribe the kids into coming and sanding knives for me is I take them to empanada empanada mama for lunch. My understanding is the owner spent uh, a fair amount of time touring in South America mm -hmm. and collected all these various empanada recipes. And it is... What is an empanada? Uh, it is a... I know the word, but I just can't... It's a pastry shell with usually... Well, it can be either sweet or savory filling. Mm -hmm. uh, is It is a Pop-Tart lover's dream. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a little offended that you put Pop Tart and Ampanada Mama in the the same paragraph. Hey, hey, hey you but, have your fan base. I got the rednecks. All right. All right. All right fair point. But yeah, it's a it's not flaky like a croissant dough, but it's lighter than uh, a bread. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere in between, and they can be either fried or baked. So it's a really it's a thick light breading mm -hmm. with things like. Uh, Dates, bacon, and gorgonzola cheese inside mm. with herbs. Um, or just pulled pork and seasoning. Uh, it's heavenly foods wrapped in clouds. Yeah. <laughs> carried carried by, rainbow, by unicorns walking on rainbows. On your first bite, you can literally hear angels sing. Not that I'm endorsing their food or anything. And they have. Oh, wait a, a minute! Wait a minute! Cole still might be listening. You virtually hear angels sing. <laughs> but it is literally the best food you'll ever eat. Yeah, I mean, they may. You can order it in boxes smaller than six, but I don't know why you would. Oh no, I don't know why they come in boxes less than a dozen. Uh, and they they also make their own dipping sauces. Which, if you're really nice to the girls behind the counter, they help you uh, do all your pairings. Mm -hmm. <sighs> so you make sure you get the sauce that really accentuates the flavor of the empanada you ordered. Exactly. Sounds tasty. Oh, yes. And so when is when is this get-together? And you know what? This is August. the perfect for Adam. It's also next door to the comic book store in Doylestown. That's true. Yes. That is true. And Sweet. when we went in the comic book store... There was actually guys sitting there playing one of those games that y'all like. Awesome. You know, I haven't I haven't been to the comic book store here in a while. So they're what? doing some they're doing some crazy stuff with comic books. They're like rebooting all the comic books, like rebooting all the stories. Are they I destroying your childhood? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Or your adulthood? A little bit of that too. When did y'all yeah. say that that uh, festival thing? Be uh, whatever that it's, we were talking about. It's August twenty second. Okay. Um, here, I'll send you the link for the... Today's the 9th, right? Of July. July. Yeah. 
August is the month after July, Robbie. But the month just before I go to the jungle. You you said it was the August the what? Twenty second. Yeah, I, I can't do it. Adam, that's your working weekend too. Oh crap. Well, dang it, Dan. My hopes and dreams. Adam and I years ago made sure that our lives coordinated so that we were both busy on the same weekends. Actually, just happened that way, but it's worked out so yeah. far. That's that's uh, Robbie's weekend of responsibilities and my re weekend of responsibilities. <laughs> Fine. So, no empanada for you. The that's link right. you sent for their My Place Smoked Meats. Yep. They've got it listed as August 23rd. 22 RD, not 20 tur 20 tur That's supposed to be an N. Okay. They use the same spell check I do. Gotcha. So that should be 22nd instead of 22nd erd. Yeah. Because last year is the 23rd, and they just went in and changed one number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Kudos to their efforts. The old point and click. Yeah. Or uh, click and click and copy paste click. I can't even talk right now. I'm done. All right, guys. I think that's going to wrap us up for right now because we're all running low on coffee, and, and I know I need a, a re-up a little bit. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcast at equippedindoor.com, and we'll be back next week with some uh, some new stories, some new news, and hopefully I can also talk about some videos. that we, I've, been, I've been killing the videos here recently. Have you guys seen all the Blade Show videos? You have. And Dan, there's a Man. video that's that's talking a little bit about some dogwood knives coming up too. Uh, you I'm know, I, I didn't want to be pushy and ask. Oh yes, you did. Well, you I'm, always I'm, you always I'm, want to be pushy and ask. Well, I didn't want to on air, air. You know, I'm trying to maintain oh, reputation. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Y'all can know that I'm a jerk. I just don't want the general public to know that. You don't want to make it blatant for them. Exactly. I, plausible deniability. That's the best I. Well, I will say um, it's actually I'm, I'm pretty excited because I got a, a group of blades I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing kind of a custom field knife series. Uh, the Heritage Echo Seven is one of them. I'm um, actually also talking about the Echo Five because I don't think I've ever done a proper follow-up review with it. Um, but I got a couple different blades from a couple different makers, so I'm kind of going to go over a whole series, some different some different price ranges, and then each of them have their separate overview and, and test video. Um, so it's pretty cool. Back to kind of an old school format where we're, we're breaking down and doing several I'm, ten, I'm, 10 minute videos. I'm glad you said that, Adam, because what was going through my head was, wow, I might actually watch these videos. Yeah, man. This sounds fun. It is. It is fun. I even did some some different testing. Like I've already done the kind of the kitchen prep kind of test. Um, just taking going to town if we were out in the field and had to do some kitchen prep because you know there's always some sucker that gets uh that gets uh, you know made to do all the kitchen prep while everybody else is doing the fun jobs. Got the oh, end of his finger off. Yeah, it only happened. <laughs> it only happened once. Oh, you're talking about Dan. Hey, well, ultimately, we, it can only happen ten times. Yeah, that's true. Hey, we had super glue. We did. Dinner was good. It was that Korean hot pot was still good, wasn't it? It was good. No, I'm gonna let y'all in on a little secret. I am more than happy to do all the kitchen tasks whenever we go camping. I know you are. I'm just not willing to only go camping with you. Boom! Wow. Boom! If I had, if I had a feeling left, that might have hurt it. Well, you know that <laughs> you, know, you deserve that from all the editing that I had to do this podcast thus far. <laughs> yeah, I've been a little rough today. I admit you. It. You have been a little rough. You know, I, Robbie's going to scold you when we get off air. 
Yeah, in my defense, I was I was up till about two o'clock this morning taking care of some knife stuff, and then I refueled with some of that Bucks Blend coffee, and now I'm I'm tired and I'm not well focused, but I'm so jacked up I can't acknowledge that. (laughs) It's a rough morning for me. All right, guys. Well, we'll talk to you real soon. You guys take care. Be safe out there, and remember, if you're not always prepared, you're never prepared. Later.